It's February 12th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got a special brief for you this morning that is shaping America and the world. We take a trip around the United States this morning, looking at the illegal alien crisis with news for you from Boston to Billings, Montana, and all points in between. We will explore how this crisis or invasion, depending on your view, is altering the lives of you and your fellow Americans. Later, I'll pivot to my analysis and opinion, encouraging us to put on our spy hats this morning and think about this as an intel officer might. In other words, does the news that we are about to hear suggest that America is heading towards a time of greater stability and prosperity, or rather, an era of instability and poverty? And by the way, if things are looking bad, what might you and I do about that? What is within our power to fix? Then, before we wrap up today, we've also got some listener questions to talk about from over the weekend. First is about AI Brian. The second is about whether Joe Biden will make it to next November. And finally, a critique. This is from Nigel from Virginia, who wonders if I will ever criticize Donald Trump because all I do was apparently bash Biden all the time. All right, we will talk about that later on. But first, let's get to that special brief of the morning. America's migrant crisis continues to grow this Monday morning, and to discuss it, we've got stops in eight states, helping us to understand the latest of what is going on and how it is already changing this nation. We start this morning in the state of Massachusetts. Polls out late Friday showed that voters in that state rank illegal migration as the second most important issue that this country faces. They also said that it is the second greatest national security threat behind only China. About half of Massachusetts voters said that the illegal alien crisis is, quote, an emergency situation. Another 30 percent or so said that it was a major problem, though not necessarily an emergency. But regardless, taken together, that is about 80 percent of that otherwise liberal state that is saying this morning that the invasion of illegal aliens is a very bad deal. Meanwhile, in a second survey from last week in that same state of Massachusetts, 65% said that they cannot take any more migrants. Another 53% said that it was time that illegals start to pay for their own housing. No more taxpayer dollars to help. One pollster looked at this data, uh, was pretty shocked. Quote, we were double checking to see if it was an error. We have never seen such strong feelings toward questions before. End quote. Most of those voters, by the way, blamed Joe Biden for the crisis, followed by Congress and then their Democrat governor, Ms. Maura Healey. And yet, despite the poll results, these largely Democrat voters were asked who they would vote for in the coming presidential election. Both polls found that about 70 percent plan to vote for Mr. Joe Biden. Next, we're off to New York City, where Democrat Mayor Eric Adams said last fall that the invasion of illegal aliens would destroy his city. Sadly, that destruction continues this morning. Late last week, the NYPD launched a raid on a crime ring that they said was operated by some recently arrived illegal aliens, mostly from the country of Venezuela. The illegals were purchasing or had purchased rather some mopeds and scooters. They then used those to sneak up on women who were walking down on sidewalks. They would then snatch their cell phones and purses. The illegals would then return to their migrant shelters or the hotels, or they had a main stash house in the Bronx. 
The migrants would then unlock the cell phones and other devices, and they would drain all the bank accounts wherever they could using those unlocked devices. This approach, by the way, is being seen elsewhere throughout the country. Victims have mostly been at bars, restaurants, and other public venues. New York's Mayor uh, Mr. Adams joined the NYPD units as they raided and arrested those illegals late last week. That prompted his fellow Democrats to say that the whole thing was just a stunt and bigoted at that. But the police commissioner said that the data were absolutely clear. Quote, there is a wave of migrant crime that has washed over our city. End quote. Mayor Adams then announced this. More illegals would now face longer curfews when they stayed at migrant centers. Previously, he locked down four of those facilities, but now he's expanding that number to 24, all because of their rampant involvement in crime. Sadly, though, th- this comes too late for one Brazilian tourist. She was shot in Times Square by an illegal late last week. The fellow was a 15-year-old boy who shot the gun. He's from Venezuela. He was working with a theft ring along with some other illegals. A security guard approached these thugs in a store when uh, this one particular boy, the 15-year-old, he realized what was about to happen. He pulled out a gun, started firing, hitting the tourist. The young men then fled. They started to fire on the cops as the uh, guys were trying to get away. The 15-year-old then ran to an apartment where his mother was apparently staying. She quickly packed their belongings and tried to flee. The two were later apprehended. No mention, by the way, of any father being involved The teen is now being held without bail. Next, we return to the city of Denver, Colorado this morning, a city that per capita has more illegals than any other city in the country, at least based on data from the Wall Street Journal. And here's the news. Denver's Democrat Mayor Mike Johnston announced late last week that residents there would face dramatic cuts to local services by upwards of 25%. There would be fewer operating hours at the DMVs, their rec centers and community centers, plus fewer programs for children and young adults. There would also be personnel cuts, especially part-time workers and those seasonal folks. The mayor added that the cuts were not going to be the last nor the most painful. This comes after Denver has spent $46 million on the migrant crisis just so far, with the majority of the money going to food and housing. But... The Mile High City has also spent five million bucks to ship illegals elsewhere, mostly to Chicago and New York. Those illegals, though, that do remain are mostly young and mostly male, mostly passing the time by by getting into trouble or forcing themselves onto drivers at intersections, trying to get the folks to buy flowers, candies or wash their windshields. Finally, Denver area schools are trying to adapt to this massive influx with many illegal migrant children coming into the schools and speaking only Spanish or some strange dialect from abroad. They then drift in and out of the schools. That's making it very difficult to impossible for teachers to either structure classes or for administrators to budget for how many teachers they need to hire. As one teacher told the Wall Street Journal, quote, I don't know what the answer is to the migrant crisis. All I know is that I have these little kids in my room, end quote. And that exasperation and that outrage might help explain this. Polling between Joe Biden and Donald Trump is growing closer this morning in the otherwise Democrat-dominated state of Colorado. Mr. Biden sits at 49% in support, with Mr. Trump at 41%. That, of course, is a far closer gap than we saw last time in the 2020 election. 
Next, we are off to the state of Texas this morning, where the migrant invasion is giving a boost to the independence movement in the Lone Star State. A poll that was conducted by Newsweek magazine last week showed that the migrant invasion is leading more Texans to support the idea that Texas should break away from the American Republic. 33% said that they would support Texas as an independent nation. 40% said that they would not do such a thing, support independence which leaves about 29% who said that they were unsure or didn't really have strong feelings either way. For folks who were unaware, Texas was its own country between the years of 1836 and 1845. Since then, there's been this long, very colorful tradition of Texans talking about seceding, uh, seceding rather from the Union or even breaking the state up into pieces. Finally, one other quick piece of context to this latest polling data. About 10 years ago, Support for Texas to secede, that stood at around 20%. And that number is now at about 33%, give or take. From Texas, we head northwest to the states of Arizona and California this morning, where data show more migrants are actually heading. About 60 to 70% of illegal aliens are now shifting their routes further to the west. Texas authorities take credit for that. They say that they're blocking illegals trying to get into their state by using either razor wire or otherwise preventing entry along the Rio Grande. Migrant activists, however, disagree. They say that the shift of these migrant routes, largely because the Mexican government is forcing the illegals to go closer towards California states where these guys will more likely be granted more rights. Meanwhile, we also know that the migrants that are going into California were well, part of that surge is being driven by Chinese illegals, and we're learning this morning that they're using social media to help guide them. On both TikTok and a similar China-based platform, users can get step-by-step -step instructions about how to cross the border into California and even how to choose from the various smuggler rings. For what it's worth, this has been going on for over a year with the illegals using these platforms from not just China, but also India and Venezuela as well. In fact, there's a really fascinating piece in the transcripts that you can read about how migrants are creating their own viral videos to either help other migrants or become famous back home. And from California and Arizona, we go north all the way to the state of Montana this morning. NBC News reports that Mexican cartels are expanding operations into the Big Sky Country, pushing further into rural communities in hopes of trafficking illegals, operating crime rings, and most especially, to sell drugs. State authorities note that Montana Indian reservations are the latest hotspots, all because cartels know that the tribal police are very limited in their number, or they are sovereign status, of course, with these Indian reservations, and that means that the federal government can't exactly reach cartel members very easily. And that is why cartels are setting up their businesses on Indian reservations, usually by targeting single women there. They get paid in cash or drugs. And to be very clear, this is a very lucrative operation. Pills of fentanyl that are produced in Mexico cost about 25 cents per pill, give or take. In bigger cities like L.A. or New York, they get about $5 per pill, which is a pretty good profit. But in rural areas that have less supply, those pills that cost 25 cents to make, they can fetch up to $100 per pill. Also something that you should know that is quite disturbing Cartels are using illegal aliens to bust through the border to help keep the drugs flowing. So here's what they're doing. 
The cartels will blitz the border with thousands of illegals in one small area in a single day. Flood the zone, in other words. Well, the overwhelmed U.S. Border Patrol agents will then rush to that section to deal with it. But that creates an opening that they leave behind them. And the cartels know that. And they exploit it very quickly by sending in their drug mules and set up their rat lines. Well, those extend into key cities along the border and eventually further into rural communities, including those inside of Montana. And that takes us to our last stop this morning, to the place where this invasion should be fixed. That's in Washington, D.C. The U.S. House is set to try again to impeach Joe Biden's Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. Republicans tried to do this last week to impeach this fellow, but they came up a little short. This week, they will try again a second time, given that a key Republican congressman is now returning back to D.C. from a sickness. The vote about Mr. Mayorkas should kick off tomorrow. But even if they're able to impeach this Mr. Mayorkas, it is unlikely that much will come of it. The impeachment charge will then go to the Senate, which will vote on whether to remove him or not. But given that the Democrats control the chamber, Mr. Mayorkas is probably pretty safe. If you're wondering why Democrats would circle the wagon for Mr. Mayorkas beyond, say, personal politics... We got a glimpse into their thinking last week of why they might actually like open borders. Democrat Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut said last week that, quote, the Democrat Party has failed to deliver for the people that we care about the most, the undocumented Americans that are in this country, end quote. To be fair, Mr. Murphy was responding to the failed Senate border bill and how that that failure harms the illegals. But still, the point he was making was that apparently Democrats care more about those folks the most, not native-born Americans. As of uh, this recording, Senator Murphy has not fully explained precisely what he meant. While his Republican uh, critics say, well, that's quite clear what he meant. Democrat policies have long favored illegal aliens over actual Americans, and it's usually been about power. Regardless, neither Congress nor the White House are likely to do much of anything to secure the border this morning or this week. There is a foreign uh, aid bill that is working its way over to the House with lots of cash for Ukraine, Taiwan, Israel, and the Pacific Islands. But so far, no money for the U.S. southern border or any changes in immigration laws. Well, those are the latest facts and data about the U.S. southern border and what a majority of Americans call the invasion of the United States with that. Let's take our first break of the morning. And when we come back, we are going to dive into analysis and opinion. We'll be right back. It has been over a month since those New Year's resolutions. So how's it going? Are you eating healthier and tackling your goals? Well, if not, you're not alone. It's okay. And you have got some options. And I'm proud to tell you about one. It's called Field of Greens. It is the way that I make sure that I get my healthy fruit and vegetable servings each and every day by mixing in this incredibly tasty product right into my morning smoothie. So here's why I chose Field of Greens. At my next checkup, my doctor will notice improved health or I get my money back. That is the Field of Greens guarantee. And that's incredible. And it is unlike any other vitamin or green drink provider that I have ever come across. And the reason that they can offer this guarantee is that their team of staff and doctors design Field of Green products with very specific health benefits. Some support your heart or lungs or kidneys. Others support metabolism for energy and weight loss. So that is why I chose Field of Greens, and you can too. 
That is if you want to get back to those New Year's goals. So go, ladies and gentlemen, to fieldofgreens.com. Look at their products and then get 15% off if you use promo code TWR, just like the right report. So get that 15% off your first order and get free rush shipping. Go to fieldofgreens.com. Again, fieldofgreens.com and use promo code TWR and get your 15% off. If you haven't gone to jacemedical.com, boy, it is time. In this unpredictable era in which we live, folks, Jace Medical provides life-saving prescription medications, including antibiotics, plus medicines for things like blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes. And here's why that is so very important. You can put these medications either on your shelves for daily use or in cases of emergencies. And Jace Medical makes it so easy to do. Here's how. Go to jacemedical.com. Again, that is J-A-S-E medical.com. You fill out a very simple online form, and in no time flat, you will get those medications delivered right to your door. In a few cases, you have a quick phone call with one of their board-certified physicians to make sure you're getting exactly what you need. But regardless, it is a major time saver and a lifesaver if maybe you live in the back 40 or if our supply chains from places like China and India were to get interrupted again in this very unsettled world of ours. But no matter your motivation, go to jacemedical.com. Again, that is J-A-S-E medical.com and enter promo code right at checkout and you will get a great discount on your order. Again, folks, that is promo code right, W-R-I-G-H-T at jacemedical.com. And do this today because there is no telling what tomorrow might bring. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our special news this morning with a pivot towards my analysis and opinion. Well, based on polls from over the past two years, a strong majority of you all believe that this country has been invaded and that invasion continues. And I think that that is so very important to think about as we center ourselves on this debate and we talk about analysis and opinion. But I think that that poll talking about invasion is very important to remember as we now think about this. A poll came out yesterday from ABC News that shows that over 85% of Americans believe that Joe Biden is unfit to serve another term. A major part of that reason was his age, but also in the data from this and other polls show that it's really about the state of the union on both the economy and increasingly the collapsed southern border. So let's unpack that part about the border. And to do so, let's do a thought experiment. Let's imagine that this morning... We are in Paris, and we serve as intel analysts for what is called the DGSE. It's uh, their CIA. And our job at DGSE is to take the intel that we collect about America and make basic judgments and assessments about the current state of America and its leadership. And then we make predictions about the future of America. So based on what we heard this morning, plus our knowledge from other briefs, what three ideas or words do you think might best capture the current state of America and our leadership in the White House. Well, as you reflect on that this morning, let me offer you my three key judgments. First, America is being hit with increasing crime and drugs, and increasingly that is being driven by both illegal aliens and unvetted foreign nationals. That has now been demonstrated from New York City to Billings, Montana, as we discussed today, but also in places like Scottsdale, Arizona, 
where four nationals from Chile and Colombia are running crime rings and running roughshod over our police and border officials. So combine all of that knowledge with my previous briefs to you about Soros DAs. Those are those radical leftists that often let criminals back out onto the streets throughout this country and, and often not even charging them despite being guilty of a crime. Well, what that tells me collectively is that lawlessness in this country is not isolated. It is nationwide. It is planned. In other words, it is systemic. And that feeds nationwide instability. Which takes us to our second key takeaway. As lawlessness takes wider root throughout this country, some cities and states are actually adding insult to injury by cutting back on basic services for their native-born people, and instead, they're prioritizing illegals. And if that sounds impossible or unfair, we now know from people like Senator Murphy that the Democrat Party believes this idea of serving others and not the American people as a matter of policy. Democrats care more about illegal aliens, said this Mr. Murphy, than they do native-born Americans. And again, folks, we are seeing this same sentiment come to life in cities like Denver and New York and Boston, where they are all cutting services for those native-born people and prioritizing the foreign-born. And if we think about that as an intel analyst in France this morning, this is a problem, and it's certainly a problem for current America and for the stability of the nation. So here's why. What we know is that wealthy people can afford to weather the consequences of lawlessness or a lack of services, right? They can deal with the instability by building walls around their homes or paying for great private schools or private security teams that guard their homes and enclaves. But if you are in the middle class or if you're a poor person in these same places, that is not a luxury that you can afford. You really need law and order. You really need those rec centers or those community centers for your kids in places like Denver or Boston. But those places now house illegals. In fact, as I shared with you last week, the black kids in Roxbury, Massachusetts, are now running the streets of Boston instead of running the basketball courts at the rec center. So the point here is this. Thinking as a French intel analyst this morning, we are seeing that current America has both uh, increased lawlessness, but also a ruling elite that are able to escape the chaos and the mayhem, but not the working class and not the poor. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is jet fuel for instability. Which takes us to the third key takeaway. The American people are growing increasingly angry about the state of this union, and it is splitting this nation in some very different ways. In Massachusetts, for example, that very leftist state has a lot of folks who are very angry about sanctuary policies and the illegals, and some people are demanding changes. But as we saw from that polling earlier, the voters there are still largely sticking with Democrats, or at least Mr. Biden. Meanwhile, on the other hand, you have residents in states like Texas who are giving increasing thought to, well, the unthinkable, to breaking apart from the U.S. and becoming independent. To be clear, right now, the support for Texas independence is pretty modest, about 25 to 35 percent in support. But I think that's a wake up call. So here's why. Those numbers are similar to other movements abroad when they first started agitating for separation. You might have heard about things like Brexit in the UK or Catalonia in Spain. In many of those cases, they started out their separatist movements, if I can call them that, with some similar polling numbers in the 20s to 30s, and they went on to be mostly successful. 
So to summarize about the current state of America, we've got first growing lawlessness and unfair advantages that are being given to illegal aliens over the native born. Second, we've got governments on the federal or certainly the state and local level that aren't stopping the lawlessness and actually encouraging it on the border, which means that third, the citizenry of this country, they are growing angry and despondent, though that manifests in very different ways, especially based on economics. So those are our our baseline judgments on what we should say is our current America. And I think it's fair to say, from my optic, it's not looking great. A lot of instability with some pretty poor leadership. Okay, so what does that say about the future of America? Will it be a country with stability and prosperity? Or instead, will it be filled with instability and poverty? Well, if you're on Substack, let me know your thoughts this morning. I'd love to hear from you. But in the meantime, let's make some predictions. And I want us to start with a reminder uh, about a brief that I gave you back on December 29th. I covered the future of America. And I covered a lot of developments around this country, from technology to energy, uh, from the American family to the strength of our military. And what I saw and what I offered to you all was this. America is trending towards an unstable future. And that is across the board with all kinds of indicators that are just flashing red. So considering that brief and that presentation of facts, add in these latest facts and data about illegal aliens and lawlessness and unfair treatment. Plus, why don't we toss in Friday's brief about leadership, where we know now that Joe Biden is guilty of crimes, but he is unable to be prosecuted because he's too senile, but yet he's still president. So what does all of that tell you about the future of America? Do you believe that we will have a more stable and prosperous future? or less. Well, as ever, reasonable people can disagree, but here's my view. I assess that we are living in the midst of a profound era of instability. And frankly, I struggle to find much of anything that is trending upwards. Maybe I do see a bit of of increases in wages, and that might eventually catch up to inflation from over the past three years, and that would definitely help with stability. But other than that, I don't see anything good right now on the, on the radar or the horizon. Uh, and that means that things in this country, in my view, will sadly get worse before they eventually do get better or can get better. Whether or not that happens is up to us. And that's the parting message that I want to leave you with this morning. Listeners on Substack have said recently, Brian, I feel overwhelmed or like I can't do anything about this. But actually, you can. Change starts first at home. When we strengthen our families, we then strengthen our neighborhoods and our communities. We then organize through churches or social groups, and we take over school boards and city councils, mayorships, district attorneys, the judges. And if that seems impossible or too hard or academic, remember, ladies and gentlemen, the good people of Green Township, Michigan, Last November, they got together, they raised some money, and they voted out their entire city council. And it was all over the support shown by their old city council for a Chinese battery plant. The folks in Michigan, just like you, didn't want that Chinese stuff in their backyard. And so they stood up and they took charge. And that is how they changed their community. And that is how we changed this country. City by city, county by county, and state by state. And that is how we, that is how you, Change the trajectory of instability back to stability. 
back to common sense and normalcy. So let that be our charge this morning. Let us start to change things locally today so that we can eventually change the country in the many days to come. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Folks, back on January 9th, we talked about the big fight with Russia and how that could badly affect the U.S. dollar and you. Well, if you're looking for ways to diversify your investments, boy, consider physical gold and silver and consider American Hartford Gold as you do. They are the precious metal dealer that I use and trust. And when you give them a call, they will explain how to protect not only your savings accounts, but also your retirement accounts, all by purchasing gold and silver. Plus, they will explain their buyback commitment, which is rock solid. And here's some more good news. Feel very comfortable using American Heart for Gold as they have a five-star rating from thousands of reviews, plus an A-plus ranking from the Better Business Bureau. So here's how you do it. Either give them a call at 866-353-2694. Again, that is 866-353-2694. Or you can just text them. Text right to 65532. And gosh, that's easy. Again, 65532. And just text them my last name. And when you do, listen to this. They will give you up to $5,000 of free silver on your very first order, depending on your total purchase. So again, Either give them a call at 866-353-2694 or text my last name right to 65532. And as you do, my friends, make sure that you remember that January brief about the currency wars, because that is why we want to consider physical gold, my friends, and silver with American Hartford Gold. It's February and it is still freezing for most of us. So get yourselves warmed up with more wintertime deals from American Giant. Yep, it's the company that makes clothing and textiles right here in America. No foreign stuff. They've got things like roughneck jackets, which are very fancy. Some thick stadium blankets, which are very warm. And some sweatpants too, which are very comfy. But that's not all. They've got jeans, socks, scarves, and dresses for the gals or the guys, I guess, if that's your cup of tea. But anyway, the best part of American Giant is that all of their products are made right here in America, in factories near your hometown and mine. That means no China, no Mexico, right here at home. So support the folks that support your country and support American Giant. Best yet, if you do, I'm going to save you 20% off your first order. So go to American-Giant.com. And when you do, use that promo code right W-R-I-G-H-T, and you are going to get 20% off that first order. So, my friends, warm up your wintertime blues and your wardrobe and go to American-Giant.com. Use that promo code right and get your 20% off. And let's get this country going and let's make America giant. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a set of listener questions today sent to us from my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. One quick note for you. I'm about $3,000 shy of my goal for this quarter. So if you'd like to pitch in through a donation or a paid subscription, ah, I'd be much obliged. All right, let's get to those questions. First was Oliver from somewhere in America. He said, Brian, last week, One of your episodes sounded like you did the whole thing using AI, Brian. So my question is, are you going to tell us in advance when you do this? And did you do so last week? 
All right, Oliver, your question, by the way, uh, for folks who are not on Substack, it prompted a fair amount of conversation and feedback. I got some great emails that were centered around what I should or shouldn't do or what I do or don't owe listeners in terms of a, a moral obligation to be honest about when I use AI Brian. So awesome question, Oliver. And let me offer this to everybody. First, I have not used AI Brian other than the little clips that I played for you, I think last summer and again uh, last week or so. And that's because the AI systems just are not game ready yet. I don't think that they sound professional enough and not consistently. To the point, you should know this, that 20 second clip that I played for you last week, I think it actually took me about 15 minutes to get that right. So while the AI systems are improving, they're, they're just not usable right now, for at least for folks like me. And I will say in terms of last week, if it sounded a little fast, well, that's because I drank probably like six glasses of uh, coffee, Wacker coffee, delicious stuff. Second, look, if, if this changes and I decide to use AI, Brian, I am going to let you know. That is, that is my commitment to you. Uh, although I, I might not until the very end, just to see for the first time if you pick up on it. But I will make you the promise, friends. I, I'm still going to research. I'm still going to write all episodes. But I will let you know if AI Brian uh, step, steps in for me to help out. So good question, Oliver. I appreciate you. Next up, we've got Martha in Texas who wrote in with this sassy question. Brian, do you think that Joe Biden makes it to next November? Because we now have confirmation that he is a law-breaking crook with this her report that came out last week. And we also know that he is old as dirt. So... Will Dems ditch the old man? Well, Martha, here's what I'm thinking about this. All politicians are disposable. Most of them, to be honest, are simply puppets for whatever business interest or donor or activist group might be out there. So if these entities feel that their interests are being seriously jeopardized by a politician, well, that politician gets tossed aside one way or the other. So knowing that, Martha, consider the poll that came out yesterday from ABC News. Over 85% of Americans believe that Joe Biden should not serve another term because he's too old. And from what I have heard from folks that I trust, this poll is correct. People are wise. Mr. Biden is only functional when his doctors pump him full of medicines for some dementia-related diseases. And that gets him through most days. Now, to be fair, some folks have said, well, hey, isn't that historically normal or it's, it's happened before? Okay, fair enough. Presidents have been terribly ill and it got covered up, but it's still grotesque and it's still wildly dangerous in this modern world with so many threats. But politically, I think it's getting to the point where too many Democrat donors and businesses and activist groups, they are looking at these polling numbers at 85% of people who think that Mr. Biden is simply too old and they do not want Mr. Trump or Republicans to win. So that is why my gut tells me that Mr. Biden will not make it to next November. Now, perhaps Kamala steps up or Governor Newsom of California or Michelle Obama. Who knows? I don't spend a lot of time focused, uh, focusing on that. But I tell you, I just don't see Biden making it to the finish line in November. But we shall see. And that takes us to a critique. This morning, it comes from Nigel from Northern Virginia somewhere who wrote in, Brian, he said, you take a lot of shots at Mr. Biden, but what about Trump? Are you a Trump cultist or can you actually criticize the man? Well, Nigel, that's a sassy question, but a fair one. So if you've listened to this and my last podcast, you know 
that I am a big fan of President Washington and his counsel to us on the issue of partisanship. He abhorred this idea of belonging to a party or being blindly faithful to politicians. That's uh, because he said you, you end up serving the party or the politician and not the nation. So that idea pulses throughout my veins. Plus, if you doubt that, Nigel, I'd uh, remind you of this. I was a Democrat for 20 years, and I am no longer. So I think what that shows is that I have a willingness to jettison a party even after decades of belonging to it. I think that that demonstrates my commitment to living out President Washington's guidance to us all. Finally, and just to further demonstrate the point, let's talk about Mr. Trump. So if he were reelected and I had the chance to have some quiet time with him, some quiet counsel in the Oval Office, I would love to talk to him about China because some of the stuff that he says or apparently believes makes me nervous. So, for instance, about a week ago, Mr. Trump said this, quote, I want China to do great. I do. I like President Xi a lot. He was a very good friend of mine during my term, end quote. He also said, Mr. Trump, that is, about a year ago, that Iran is likely more dangerous than China, which, when I first read it, I was shocked to hear. Now, to be fair, at the time, Mr. Trump was speaking about what countries with nuclear weapons might do. He said that some would fire them because they're bonkers, like Iran or North Korea, and others would not fire their nuclear weapons, like China. All right, fair enough. Here's my point, and this is what I would say to Mr. Trump. I do not want a president who wants China to do well. We don't need to say nice things about the Chinese Communist Party or Mr. Xi because they are both evil. And I say that from personal experience. I can tell you with absolute high degree of confidence that Mr. Xi and the CCP are actively destroying this nation every single day, and they have for years. And I have seen presidents for over 20 years get pretty squishy about understanding this. And so that is why I want a very strong, very consistent, and very clear message coming from the White House that China is a bad guy and that the president of this country will start a national and global campaign to go on the offensive and punch the Chinese hard and without apology. If you're worried about me saying such strong language, let me be clear, I'm not saying that that means war. In fact, I think we can avoid it. We should. But it does mean that we should take a much more aggressive and hostile set of policies towards Beijing. So that's the critique that I would offer to you all about Trump. I think that sometimes he says things about Beijing that make me nervous about having somebody back in the White House who again cuts a deal with these thugs in Beijing. And we shouldn't. Never again. On any issue. They are evil. They are not to be trusted. And they are ultimately the enemy of humanity. And we have to treat them that way until, God willing, someday they are eliminated. All right, my friends, there it is. And if you'd like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast, it is easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which you will find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave your email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up, and at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave me a comment or ask me a question. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. 
They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.